Are you ready, Ma? I'm ready, Aaron. Let's dun 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 go. We're going to Los Angeles, California. Truth be told, this could take place in any big city. It could take place anywhere, any town, USA. I only knew L.A. Be- when I saw the license plate. I thought because of the opening montage that it was like New York City. I got, Me too. I, I got working. I think I got confused with working girl. I actually wrote New York City first. Yeah. Because it's all these feet, all these feet going to work. Well, it starts with alarm clocks. All these people and the alarm clocks are all set for 7 a.m. Which is, a, a, that's interesting to me. But it's called 9 to 5, so their hours are 9 They to work five. 9 to 5 and they wake up at 7 o'clock. And I, I just laughed because I'm like, 7 o'clock? That's, I'm, I'm clocking in at 7 o'clock. Well, before we start with the show, shall we do the particulars? Well, we should probably say what it is that we're doing. I think we already have. Oh, we did. Nine to five. Nine to five. What a way to make a living. Do you know, I do know some trivia. Oh, are we just going to start with the trivia? I'm just going to start with this. Okay. Because it's the song and it starts with the song. So she is, Dolly Parton is sitting on the set. I heard this back in the 80s when they were doing um, an interview. Mm Mm-hmm. And this was Jane Fonda speaking. And she said Dolly was sitting there filing her nails. And she was filing her nails in a rhythm. And she sat there and just made up the song right there. Oh, man. This is one of the great songs. I've been listening to it all week. <laughs> I'm really hoping because I'm also, I mean, before we go any further, let's just shout out Aretha Franklin. <gasps> Because rest in peace. Thank you, Patty LaBelle, for not dying yet. Also, Gladys Knight. Yeah. Um. I so I've been listening to Spotify's "This Is Aretha" playlist, mm-hmm. and she sang like every song, and every song was like pr- she pretty much pulled the respect out of every song because respect wasn't her song originally, and she's like, "I like this song. I'm gonna take it. It's mine." And so, because she's a fantastic arranger and her voice and everything. So I'm really hoping that at one point she covered 9 to 5. Wouldn't that be cool? Oh, because it's such a great song. Even if she didn't. Dolly Parton, man. Who doesn't love Dolly Parton? There are people. Oh, why? Is is she problematic? Uh, no, I think because she's so, she's so uh, country western. I mean, she is, she is so country. She's not the modern day. She's not the Keith Urban country western. No, but like. It was Porter Wagner. She would sit on a swing on Porter Wagner's TV show, black and white TV show, and she would sing. Yeah, but I mean, like, you say like she was so country western, like. So country western that she didn't like black people? Oh, I don't think so. She just seemed. What I what I love about her is how um how down to earth and just real she was. Yeah, other than her makeup and boobs and such, but um, she was super poor. Yeah, 
And she talks about that. And now she's like all about, and then she like built this career. Also, she's like awesomely talented. I mean, listen to nine to five, listen to the lyrics. Tell me if it isn't an anthem for today. Jolene. And she wrote, I will always love you. The yeah, woman is bona fide. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's a bona fide talent. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyways, back to the particular. Back to the particulars. This was produced. Oh, nine to five, nineteen eighty. All right. Sorry. This there's going to be a lot of segues in this. A lot of tangents. This movie was nineteen eighty. I know you picked it because it was the year of my birth. But I always thought that that nine to five came out like more later in the eighties, because okay. I knew about it. Okay. So I was I was a little like shocked like oh my gosh this is 1980 also shocked by how old it looked I know <laughs> those big glasses and I the cars I'm yep. just like my God I'm old <laughs> yeah 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 like is this well, is this how Ma feels when she looks at a movie from 1952 Jeez. <laughs> Well, you might have to do that to me. <laughs> this is I'm like this is some bullshit. <laughs> oh. All right. So it was directed by Colin Higgins, not the British actor Colin Higgins. He also wrote Harold and Maud, Silver Streak, Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. And oh. he directed Foul Play and The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. This was written by the first draft, was written by Patricia Resnick, and then Colin Higgins did the second draft. The cinematography was by Ronaldo Villalobos. He also did, I always like doing the cinematography and the edited by because they're, these guys' careers are so varied. He also did Risky Business, American Me, A Bronx Tale, Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion, <laughs> Love and Basketball, six episodes of Breaking Bad. And, oh, my God. And Juwada Man. Which wow. I was like, wow. what? I mean, among others, this guy has a, a varied career. It was edited by Pembroke J. Herring. He also edited Tora, Tora, Tora. Bound for Glory, and Out of Africa. Um, I believe those were all like Oscar nominations that he got. He also edited National Lampoon's Vacation and European Vacation. Wow! And Great Ball of Fire. Yeah, they're so. I like these little those guys. They're like so varied. Um, starring. One, Jane Fonda as Judy Burnley, which I had to do to stop and rewind because I was like, is her name Judy Burnley? <laughs> I was like, is it Burnley or Burley? Because th- what? <laughs> but it's Burnley. Judy Burnley. Yes. Jane Fonda's also in Clute, Coming Home. Two movies that, you know, she just won the Oscar for. She was also in Barbarella, They Shoot Horses, Don't They, and on Golden Pond, just to name a few. With her daddy. 
We also, who she looks just like. Like, Carbon, there's no way that he looked at that kid and was like, that's not mine. It's like, no, Fonda, that's your kid. Not that he did that. Who knows? But who knows? Um, Lily Tomlin as Violet Newstead. Lily Tomlin, I mean, what doesn't she do? Yeah. For movies, she was in um, Nashville, The Late Show, Big Business, and then, like, so many other things. Saturday Night Live. Tons of stuff. Carol Burnett Show. Just, TV. Yeah. yeah. Just, like, you... Just... There she is. Um... Dolly Parton played Dora Lee Rhodes. This was her big screen debut. She went on to do such movies as Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, Rhinestone, Steel Magnolias, and Joyful Noise, to name a few. And then finally, we have the dude in it, Dabney Coleman, as Franklin M. Hart Jr. He was in The Towering Inferno on Golden Pond. Tootsie, and you've got Mail, to name a few. But this you've always seen this guy. He's a that guy. He's that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I also did, real quick, did the ages, because I was wondering. Um, so when this movie was made, Jane Fonda was 43, Lily Tomlin was 41, Dolly Parton was 34, and Dabney wow. Coleman was 48. Interesting. That was well done. Mm-hmm. And they, they, uh, their character names are similar to their real names. Mm-hmm. Jane is Judy, and and Dolly is Dora Lee, and Lily is Violet. Get it, Lily, ah. Violet. There we go. Okay. Again, we start with well, we started with all the the alarm clocks, mm-hmm. and then we started with the women walking, running to work. Yeah, you know, trying dropping the kids off, got to get to school as the songs go in. Doom, 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 doom. Ah, great song. And um, we open up with another office full of desks. Yeah. Huge office space full of secretary desks. But it's a little bit less than um, uh, the apartment. Yeah, the apartment. Not as vast. But Not just, but best. very sterile, very, you know, everything is that gray color. Yeah. And we have a character named Roz, <clears throat> who is older. Uh, the character is older than, than the other women. And she must have the ear of the president or chairman of the board or whatever, because she is talking about the rules for the desks in the office and people are breaking the rules of no plants, no personal pictures, no uh, coffee mugs. Yeah, everybody knows a Roz and nobody likes a Roz. Nobody likes a Roz. And so Judy, it's her first day of work. Judy is recently divorced. Ma, describe Judy's outfit. Okay. And I also want to know if it was, because uh, when I first saw it, I did an audible, oh my. Yes. And then I wondered, like, how was this in 1980 when people saw this? Was it like, wow, she is stylish? Or were they like, oh my as well? Well, I'm going to go with more, oh my, because she was 
she had not been in the workforce for the length of her marriage. I don't remember how long her marriage had lasted. I don't either. But um, she was trying to dress to be a a secretary. And um, so I'm going to start with her hair. Yes. She had helmet hair. She had the hair where you'd go every Saturday and have it washed and set. And you'd sit under the dryer and the rollers. And then you would have it taken out and sprayed within an inch of your life. But how'd you even see it? Because she was wearing a hat. Well, because the hat was sitting back on her head. Oh, yes. So you saw the froth of hair around her face. That's a very slim face, but she had on the Gigunda 1980s glasses. I mean, those things are huge. I had I had them in the late 70s, the Gigunda glasses. Might Man. still have them downstairs somewhere. Man. Then she had on a uh, suit as far as it was a, a top suit jacket that was, because she's a very slim woman, so she had a belt around it with the with the skirt that matches. Now all of you are, are seeing like a Navy suit right now. No, 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 no. This was a print. It was a, um, like an, like a turquoise flower on a white background. Yes. Um, very busy. I thought that there was some pink in there as well. Maybe. maybe that's Did she have a I'm scarf on? She might've, Oh, wait, the collar was white with some kind of embroidery on it. And there were lots of ruffles, I was thinking. There were lots of ruffles with everything Judy wore. It it seemed very church lady garb to me. Uh, It does very much, especially with the hat. But you have to remember, in 1980, Diana wore that. I'm sorry, some of you, but that was a hideous wedding dress. Could there be one more ruffle on that mofo? Oh. Remember the big sleeves, the poof, the ruffle upon ruffle upon ruffle. So, um, yeah, that was, I was kind of in at the time. Thank you, Diana. Later, you got a stylist and you figured it out. Man. So she's walking with Lily Tomlin, who was was wearing... Some sort of like kimono. Yeah, that's what that's a, the word. A black kimono with a white, um, with a white nice blouse with a skirt with a big big belt. Big belts were in, with like a butterfly on the. It was the it was that elastic belt that came I around used, your waist. I love. Remember the belt that I stole from you? It was yep. a blue belt like that, and it had a blue plastic blue leaf. I used that as my utility belt. Yes, she did. When I was playing as Batman. And it it worked so much better for you. Yeah. It worked for me. Yeah, but those belts were, those were big. But so Violet was wearing, on top of that, a black silk kimono. And um, that was like her uh, statement of, I'm not the cookie cutter person in here. But when she had to go see the boss, she'd change out of the kimono and put on a suit jacket. Yes. A checkered one. So uh, Violet is showing, well, Violet is first in Mr. Hart's office, 
and she's mad that she has to train this person. She doesn't want to train a newbie because she is better than that. She's more important than that. And uh, truth be told, she should have had Mr. Hart's position because she trained Mr. Hart. Yeah, she's been at the company for 12 years. And she worked her way up. And she's gotten pretty much as far as she can go. The, um, the, the office space with all the desks is in three zones. Each zone has their supervisor. And Violet is the supervisor of all the supervisors. So Judy is going to be. I would think that would make her a manager. If you're the supervisor of all the supervisors, that you would be a manager. Okay, I don't know the lingo. I'd never worked in an office. Oh, well, this believe me, there was a point of this movie last night where I was like, really, I I come home from ten hours. Now I have to spend this time in an, in an office. Awesome, let's do it. Well, that's why I liked it because I it was it was new to me. Ah. So, um, Lily is, is walking, Violet, Lily Violet is walking Judy around and they get to a, uh, elevator and a black man from the mail room is passing out mail and he goes, uh, and so they introduce her and he goes, lady, you're going to hate it here. Oh, well, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Okay. To rewind all the way back to the montage of all the different women, there was one person of color in the background during the entire montage. I know because I stopped to rewind it to be like, we didn't have any black people in 1980 in this montage of working women? No, one, in the background. Two, we get here. This is person of color number two. Actually has a speaking part. He sees the both of them and they say she Lily introduces him to the um to the guy and says what position and he gets mad because he was like, Man, I I thought they were they hired he couldn't believe that they hired from outside. He thought that he was gonna get promoted and then so he's mad and he's like, Good luck, you're gonna hate it here and they go into the office and Jane Fonda does an excellent job of that nervous energy of that first day when somebody is just like taking you around and they know everything. So they're just like being all fast with, oh, that's so-and-so, that's so-and-so, that's so-and-so. And you just have like this deer in the headlights look of just trying to like not step on anyone's toes and take everything in, but everything's so new and you're just so lost. That's how she looks. She did a really good job. Mm -hmm. But then they come across Roz. And Violet tells her, now, Roz is the ears, eyes, nose, and throat of Mr. Hart, the vice president. So if you're in the bathroom talking, you need to check the stalls because she's frequently in there listening so she can go tattle to Mr. Hart. Yes. Important thing to remember. And the scene, this scene where Roz is explaining to... Um, Violet all of the rules and stuff because her depart she's noticed that her people have been a little lax. I laughed out loud at how at Lily Tomlin because she, <laughs> she obviously she in her head she's like you can just go fuck right off right now, but she's a professional and so she does she like she pretends that she's all in, but you can tell that she's just like, ah, oh. and, and she just wants to say something, but she doesn't. She's like, Oh really? Okay. Mm-hmm. It was great to just her reaction. And she'll say things like, Oh yeah, I read, I read it. 
you know, not reacting to it at all. But mm-hmm. yeah, I read your email. I thought it was shit and I put it in the trash. But yeah, yeah I read your email. Okay, and then they go in and meet Mr. Hart, Dabney Coleman. He's got his 80s stash. Yes. Stash. And Dabney Coleman's doing the uh, pep talk, the office pep talk. It's all about teamwork here. Unfortunately, you women weren't on a sports team. Oh, so yeah. that <laughs> You don't know about teamwork, but it's all about us. Um, helping each other out here and welcome and you're damn pretty which is really nice because we've hired some really ugly ones lately oh yeah uh, he didn't say ugly ones he said another word and lily and it cuts to lily Tomlin's reaction it's just like oh this piece of shit <laughs> and and before they leave he says oh violet um i need you to get my wife a gift and Violet goes, uh, it's not in my job description. And he goes, but I need you to get her a gift. And she goes, well, that's not really what my job is. And finally, she she knows she's going to have to do it. She doesn't even know why she bothers talking to him. But, um, yeah, she has to do all of his errands for him. At this point, at, at her lunch break, but I would like to point out that the mo- name of this movie is 9 to 5, which is an 8-hour work day, which means that they got paid for their lunch because really in the real world it's 9 to 5:30 because you have to clock out for your 30-minute lunch break. Oh, there was the the um the in clock out clock punch card. Yes. Thing. Yes. Or if you're a substitute, you get paid for 7.5 hours because you don't get your lunch paid. Oh, and you can't just, and you don't make up the extra time? No. Oh. You only get paid for 7.5. Oh, so you only get paid for eight, but you have to stay Work eight the, and a half. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, Mr. Hart says he expects cooperation. Judy is just very innocent. So she meets, when they come out, she meets Dora Lee. Yes. And hold on, because you're going to have to fill in everything for this next scene. Because Dolly Parton's hair in this scene (laughs) is an architectural marvel. I couldn't stop staring at it. I couldn't figure out, I couldn't figure out how how it didn't move, how it was so perfectly round. I, w- I was like, my God, it's like she did it. She and her hair people, they made a white woman afro. It's completely an afro. Well, it's easy to do. She didn't even have to be around for the hair people to do it. It's, she, she admits that she wears wigs all the time. Yeah, I know a lot of hairspray, probably, you know, pins stuck into the head cap of the wig. Oh, yes. She has on a shirtwaist dress that um, that has a V-neck collar and her cinched waist. And she is made up as Dolly Parton always is. And Judy just, just, it just can't stop looking at her. It's like, 
she's probably looking at the hair as Aaron was going, oh, Well, she's not also looking at the hair. It is Dolly Parton. And then she looked at the boobs, and then she felt her own <laughs> inadequate boobs. And she as she walks walked away. away. <laughs> She's just feeling her flat chest and just like, oh, my gosh. Okay, well, Mr. Hart had said on their way out, I'm on this floor because I like to be close to my girls. Mm. So that is me too, number 15. Oh, he's okay, so Dora Lee is going, uh, um, she, saying oh you have to go get this uh go get the gift i just got back from filling up his car with gas well judy's at her desk and she's trying to type and and her fingers are just she's shaking like wendy ergler shakes when she gets nervous and she is she can't get the phone right you know it was back in the 80s when they had those buttons on the phone back in the 80s i it took me like six months before i figured out my phone and I still have it. Nobody leave me a message on that work phone. I don't know how to get it. <laughs> I had that at school, and I always cut people off because you pick it up and it's the wrong button is pushed. You cut off the line that's, oh, uh, yeah, okay. So she's messing that up. Then she goes to the lunchroom, and Dora Lee is sitting all by herself. Yeah, everyone's, and, and there was a coolness to her when, um, when they first met, like everybody's very cool to Dolly Parton, and you're like, oh, I wonder, oh, is Dolly Parton like mean? But Dolly Parton is as sweet as can be. Yeah, very nice. Um, but the the talk at the lunch table where Judy is is pretty much, yeah, well, you know, she she's banging the boss, so you know so she gets whatever she wants. Everybody thinks she's a harlot. And Judy's going, oh, no, because that's why my husband left me was for his secretary. That's just wrong. That's yeah. just wrong. So so Judy is now like, I mean, it's personal. Why she doesn't yeah, she's like Dora Lee. Quite anti-Dora Lee. Yeah. Next scene, Hart is on at the intercom telling Dora Lee to grab her pad and her pretty face and come in. Holy vey. So she goes in and he says, stop right there, turn around, because he wants to get the whole picture. And she doesn't, she just says, oh, Mr. Hart. And she does it because she needs the job and she's not going to make any waves and she's just going to do what she needs to do. What recourse does she have in 1980? Is there even an HR department? And even if there is. So he goes, sit down and take a letter. Now, before she came in, he was messing with the blotter on his desk to make sure this was going to work. And he set his uh, cup of pens and pencils at the very edge so that he just accidentally pushes the blotter. The pens fall on the floor. She has to bend down to pick them up and he can look down her her top. Creep. And she goes, oh, Mr. Hart, don't worry. I've been chased by swifter men than you, and I haven't been caught yet. So then they're talking about the convention that she went to. And she said, oh, no, no, no. Next time I just have to make sure there really is a convention before I go to one with you. So in San Francisco, he had told her to come to this convention, and there wasn't a convention. He just wanted to hook up with her. So he tells Dora Lee, I'm a rich man and I'm crazy about you. And he pushes her down. 
And then he falls on the floor too, at which point his wife walks in. And over her arm, I noticed, is a Louis Vuitton. It was the Tootsie Roll bag. Remember the, the round Tootsie Roll bag? Moving on. Oh, okay. Um, now, um, Daphne Coleman had given Dora Lee a scarf. Well, the it was scarf this, yeah. Go ahead. That Violet had to go out and buy for his wife, but he really gave it to Dora Lee. And the wife was just... I, she was lovely to Dora Lee. She didn't feel like there was a threat at all there. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about going on an Italian cruise, and it was going to be two months. And he was saying, I can't go away with you for two months. And she um, she was just lovely. Okay. Dora Lee comes out with the scarf, and everybody in the office is like, mm-hmm. It's, and Violet is like, I don't believe that. That's the, and you know, Judy is beside herself. Like, that's the, that, but that's the. Mm-hmm. Well, then Violet takes Judy to the Xerox machine. The Xerox machine can be very intimidating. The Xerox, I hate going to the Xerox machine as it is now, present day, with the touch screens and stuff. I hate it. I try to do everything that I can not to have to print something out or to copy something or to fax something. Yeah. Ugh. And this was a monster. It of had Xerox its own machine. room because it had it had like two hundred places for collated stuff. Oh, it was huge, and of course. You know, Violet said, okay, so you do this and you push this button and then you do this and then you push this button and you've got it. And she leaves. And, and she's, no, she uh, says it's all pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> like it's a, like Google or something. Like it's an Apple product. No Xerox machine. And each one is different. Anyway, um, but the machine just starts going crazy and starts throwing papers out at her. And she ends up on the floor <laughs> with papers everywhere. And At it's which like, point, beep, 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 boop, beep, beep, beep. <laughs> uh, because she tried to stop it, but she hit the wrong button, and then it just went really crazy. So Mr. Hart comes in, and he's he's got no time for this. He says, any moron can operate this machine. Uh, you better fix this, because the first day could be your last day. Yeah, he was real mean to the new person. Very mean. And she's collating and crying. Yes. Haven't we all collated and cried? <laughs> Every woman has collated while crying. Collated while crying. That's you know what? That was that should have been the B side to nine to five. <laughs> well, next scene, she is dragging herself home, and she is exhausted. And who does she find at her door? See, this is when. It was at this point when I realized that it was Los Angeles because I, I was think the whole time I'm thinking this takes place in New York. And then when she drives home, I see the hills in the background and the streets and I just and just, like the apartment, like how her house was laid out her apartment and that the hill in the back. And I go, that's Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. So because they're the doors are outside. You know, your front door goes outside. So he's at her front door. Dick, 
her ex-husband. Yeah, who is wearing, though, a great <laughs> tracksuit. A velour. I loved it. It was brown, a dark brown, and a light tan combo. It was. And man, I was like, if I could find that in a youth large, I would rock it. <laughs> I knew it. I wrote down velour tracksuit. Oh, just love it. So she's proud of herself because she's gotten a job. Well, first she thinks he's there f- for to reconcile. And so her face is like, oh, oh my. And so she's proud of herself. And she says, I've gotten a job. I'm a secretary. And he's like, oh, that's great. Liza's waiting in the car. So, uh, you know, here are the divorce papers. Got to move, got to move. Okay, it's the next morning and we're at the time clock. The punch card time clock. Yes, yes. I remember those. One woman who has a flask. Uh, she, is, she is one of my favorite characters, Margaret. Margaret. Yeah. She goes, what? It's medicinal. <laughs> and, and of course, Judy does a tusk tusk. Well, Judy um, makes okay, the comment. Violet. Judy makes the the great comment of, ah, it feels like I just left this place. <laughs> And it was her first day. Yeah. <laughs> Wait till Friday. Uh, well, Violet's on the phone. And Violet is in complete control of everything. It's obvious Violet is running the place. Mm-hmm. So um, Dora Lee sees, sees Judy and says, hey, Judy, why don't we have lunch together? And Judy has all these reasons why she can't. And it's obvious it hurts Dora Lee's feelings. Yeah. I feel really bad for Dora Lee. And Dora Lee tells her husband that everybody treats me like the bastard at the family reunion and it hurts my feelings. Mm-hmm. Well, the next day, Violet is getting coffee and Judy is in charge of the Xerox machine. Everybody's snubbing Dora Lee at lunch. And Mr. Hart and Mr. Henkel, Mr. Henkel is... The president of the company? I don't know. He, I guess he's, he's, who knows? He's above what's his face, right? Hart. He's above Hart. Yeah. So he's not the, he's not the biggest in the company, but I think he is, he's the biggest at this, uh, at this firm. Yeah. At that location or whatever. Well, when Violet took the coffee into Mr. Hart, she was saying, Mr. Hart, I have this great idea how we can color code our accounts. And that's going to help us, you know, have a quick look at things and know it, it's going to really speed up the process when we have to look for stuff. And he's going, oh, that sounds like a lot of trouble to me, a lot of work. And, uh, he's, his chair in the office is always breaking. Because mm-hmm. he's so always he's, leaning back and it falls down. Right. And so she just goes out. She's disgusted. Well, Mr. Hart and Mr. Henkel are walking around. And Mr. Henkel says, hey, Violet, Mr. Hart just had the best idea. He said something about color coding. Oh, he did, did he? Oh, Violet is pissed. Well, Violet is at home installing a garage door opener. Now, this is important for a couple of reasons. Well, also, we forgot to mention that Violet's a widow. Yes, with four kids. Yes. And so she's got to get stuff done. 
So she needs to be able to install a garage door opener and she can do it herself. Mm-hmm. Just like my ma could. Just like I could with my with my tool belt. With your tools. Oh, oh, but before, I'm sorry. I, I digress back to Mr. Hart, Mr. Henkel, and Violet and the color coding. So Mr. Henkel goes away and Hart says to Violet, now just be it. Oh, no, no, no. I digress back to <laughs> the garage door installation. Wasn't that funny, listeners? Oh, so that cute. That was fun. Okay, so she is installing the garage door opener and her son Josh is there and he's a teenager. And she is complaining, complaining, complaining. And he goes, why didn't you say something? And she said, well, there's this promotion coming up. And I've got to be a good girl until this promotion comes up. I can't do anything to rock the boat. So Josh says, you know, you're a little uptight, Mom. Let me let me roll you a joint. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just laughed. And I was like, 1980? Yeah. This movie's so ahead of its time. No, not really ahead of its time. Anyway, so she's going all the reasons why she can't have a joint. And he's going all the reasons why she should. And finally she goes, you know what? Just slip it in my purse. (laughs) Okay. Well, Violet is with Mr. Hart the next day. The promotion has been given to a man. Yeah, some man. Because he has a college degree. And because they need a man in that decision, in he, that position. Yeah, because he's got to go out with the, the clients, and the clients, they're not going to listen to a woman. Yeah. Well, his chair is still broken, and he's always yelling at Doralee to get his chair fixed. And he's also always yelling at Violet to get him coffee. Right. Which is not in her job yeah, description, Yeah, it's beneath her. It. Go get your own coffee. So, she is pissed. The position went to a man, so she goes, okay, some things we're going to get straight. Don't ever refer to me as your girl again. I'm not your wife. I'm not your daughter. I'm not your mother. I'm not your mistress. And um, and she points to Dora Lee when she says mistress. And Dora Lee says, what do you mean? What are you talking? Huh? Why are you bringing me into this? Yeah. And who's been saying we're having an affair? And Violet says he has. Ooh. Oh, Dora Lee tells him off. Because Dora Lee's like, that's why everybody in the office hates me, because they all think that we're banging. I I am a married woman. And by the way, Mr. Hart, I got a gun in my purse. And uh, don't, I don't want to hear another word or another indecent proposal, or I'll change you from a rooster to a hen. Damn. Well, Violet needs a drink. She didn't get the promotion. Dora Lee needs a drink. Because she just found out everybody in the office thinks she's banging. Mm-hmm. Idiot, dude. And Judy needs a drink because, because of Roz, one of the girls was fired because of something she said in the restroom. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what it was? Oh, I forgot what it was, but yeah. it was something dumb, and yeah, they fired her. So, so Violet says she needs a drink, and Margaret goes, "Good idea." <laughs> oh, Margaret, and, yeah, go ahead. And Dora Lee comes out and goes, "She's going for a drink," and Margaret goes, 
good idea. Judy says, <laughs> No, she says fu- good on you. I think she says good on you or something. <laughs> and Violet, uh, Judy, no, comes at looking- a girl, at a yes. girl. <laughs> Judy comes looking for Violet and she said she's down at Charlie's getting a drink. And Judy goes, Well, I'm gonna go join her. At a girl, at a girl. Okay. Um, so the three of them are getting drunk at the bar and Judy says he can't, he just can't treat people like that. And somebody says, Oh, I think it's Violet. We're in a pink collar, pink collar employment situation. At which point Violet finds the joint in her purse. Yes. Because they're at the oh, bar. Well, yeah. They're at the bar. Dora Lee, that she's saying, let's go to the bathroom. Dora Lee and Judy are going, but Dora Lee goes, hey, my husband's out of town. Let's go to my place. So the next scene, they're at Dora Lee's and they are laughing hysterically. Do you know what they were smoking? What? It was Maui Wowie. Oh, yeah, I did write that down. <laughs> Because somebody said, what's the name of this? Maui Wowie. Well, Dora Lee shows her gun, pulls out her gun and says, see, I got this gun. And um, she's, somebody's telling a story. Oh, she's telling a story about one time she had her gun and she, uh, somebody was messing with her. And so she goes to her purse and she tries to pull it out. And all she managed to do was shoot a hole through her purse. (laughs) Oh, they laughed hysterically. Uh. <laughs> so then they have all been smoking the Maui Wowie, and they each get a turn to tell their fantasy of how to deal with Mr. Hart. Yes. Dora Lee's fantasy is that she would like to hunt Mr. Hart because in his office he has a deer's head mounted and some other things that makes it obvious he is a hunter. It wasn't... I think this is Judy that wants to hunt him. Oh, yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Okay. I'd like to hunt Hart. And so imagine Hart is running for his life through the whole office. And everybody's after him with torches and dogs. And then Judy's in a safari outfit with the hat, with the one side up. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, the whole garb with a rifle, and she calls him a sexist, egotistical, lying, hypocritical bigot. And she is shooting up the office because she's just aiming to get Hart. He ends up in the women's restroom, and she shoots him, and she puts his head on her wall. Yes. So think of I when I was watching these these their fantasies and stuff, it reminded me of Charlie's Angels. Like the the one that was in like 2000 with Drew Barrymore and Cameron Diaz and Lucy Liu. I said, I wonder if they watched, if they were like, oh, remember in 9 to 5 when they had that? I don't know. Just reminded me of it. Huh. Good thought. Well, they're eating barbecue, leftover barbecue. Mm -hmm. And they are saying how everything tastes so delicious. (laughs) Oh, my God. This tastes so good. Well, now it's time for Dora Lee's fantasy. And she comes riding in as a country girl in her Western garb on a white stallion. 
she's the boss and he's the secretary and they have reversed roles. And so she calls him in his office, in her office, and she says, just stop right there. I want to check out your bod. So um, she goes, oh, you know, you know, you got a nice package there. You might as well show it off. You need to you need to wear tighter, tighter slacks. And um, she goes, come over here. I don't like that tie you got on. Take off that tie. I want to I bought you a tie. Let me put it on you. Now, let's be friendly. And, and she tries to kiss him, and he leaves, and she lassos him, and she puts him on a spit to cook him. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's Violet's fantasy. And Violet is rather, rather Disney-esque. She's yes. dressed as a Snow White interpretation, so as not to um, offend or have to pay royalties. And she has animated animals all around her. And she's getting Mr. Hart's coffee, but she's putting rat poison in it and stirring it. And uh, the spoon comes out dissolved. <laughs> and he drinks the coffee and he has smoke coming out of his ears and his head is spinning. And she puts him in his chair and she ejects him out the window. Yes. While everyone sings hallelujah. Okay. So the next day, the three of them come in the office together, still giggling because they had such a good time together. <laughs> and Mr. Hart's awfully happy that day because his wife left on a two-month trip. Mm-hmm. Well, they're out of sweetener. So Violet knows she needs to go at lunchtime and buy sweetener. But she has to buy stuff for her family, too. She has to buy uh, sugar and rat poison and other, a bunch of other stuff she listed. And she has to go out at lunch. So she, uh, she comes back from lunch. And, of course, she has to fix his coffee. And she goes to her locker to get out of the, the sweet. What was it called? Well, she was talking to somebody. Who was she talking to? Some secretary. She was talking to some secretary about her stuff. And man, Lily Tomlin's so good. She's just talking about it. And and you're really listening to what she's talking about. And, you know, she's just, she's a woman that is constantly multitasking. Constantly, you know, one one hand's doing another thing. Constantly doing it. She goes to a locker, gets out the sweeten. Oh, what do they call it? Sweeten Slim. Something like sweet that. Sweet and slim, slender and sweet. Oh, slender like and sweet. Yeah. So gets it. She, you know, puts it in, stirs it up, puts the bag back down. Because she's really irritated that she has to uh, make the coffee for the man. Yeah. You know? Not in her job description. She's ticked off. She's a mom at home. Why she got to be a mom at work? So she does but- all that. And so she's innocently fixing his coffee, just like she always does, yellow box. She takes it into him. He starts to drink it. And she leaves, and his chair completely breaks this time. Yeah. And he falls backward and hits his head on his credenza. Yes. And he's unconscious. So um, Dolly Parton has to call the ambulance to come get him. He's unconscious. Well, Violet comes in and Judy tells her what happened because Violet had gone somewhere. I don't know where she went. And Judy comes in and says, you know, he fell 
all we know is he was drinking his coffee and something happened and now he's at, at the hospital. So uh, Violet says, well, okay, um, let's, let's leave for the day. So she goes in to get her stuff from the locker and sees it was rat poison she put in his coffee. My total <laughs> mistake. She didn't mean to do it. It was a total mistake. She freaks out. There are some times where I did laugh out loud at this movie. <laughs> she, they were good at being. Yeah. So she goes, oh, my God, Judy, you have no idea what just happened. And so she gets in her Nova with Judy and <laughs> her Nova. Is that what the car, the blue car is? I think a it Nova? was a Nova. It, it, I, I was, think it was. I was just crushed by how old it looked. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's driving like a bat out of hell. And she's driving to the hospital to tell them to be sure and pump his stomach. Are and, all three you, of them in the car? No, because oh. Dora Lee had to go to the hospital with him. Oh, So okay. it's just Judy and Violet the first time. Okay. So Dora Lee's with him at the hospital. And he comes to, and he's going, oh, I just fell off my chair and hit my head. It's not a big deal. Well, the doctor wants to do x-rays. And he's like, no, you're not going to sucker me into hospital bills. I'm fine. I'm going to actually just get up and go home. Smart well, move well, on my guy. I did. I was like, I do not like you in this movie. But yet I completely understand where you're coming from because your health insurance sucks. Yeah. Well, so the doctor who was working on Mr. Hart has to be called away because somebody has had a heart attack. Mm -hmm. So he steps in the next room. And the guy who's having a heart attack was, it appeared, had just been arrested by the police or he was a witness to something because he has a police and a detect, a policeman and a detective, policeman and a detective man watching him. So um, as this is happening, Violet and Judy arrive at the hospital and they find Dora Lee and Dora Lee can't find out anything about Mr. Hart. So, um, the guy in cardiac arrest died. Well, they think Mr. Hart died. Yes. So they now. didn't know that there were two patients here. Right. So, and, and the, uh, doctor, they overhear the doctor saying to the police, it's probably some kind of poisoning that this, I guess, witness dude died. Oh my God. Oh, now they their realize, eyes are so big. <clears throat> Heart is dead, and it's because he drank the rat poison that Violet put in his cup. And now they're all going to be accessories to murder. Truth be <laughs> oh, she's saying my children. And Judy is saying to Violet, Violet's saying, we all were thinking about doing it last night. And they're all going, you were the one who was going to poison him, though. We weren't going to poison him. Oh, my God, this is really happening. And oh. so... Judy and Dora Lee say, Violet, sit right here. We have to go find you a, a lawyer. So you sit here. Don't move. <laughs> it don't. Famous last words. Don't move. Who, whoever heeds them. Well, the dead body is rolled out on a gurney into the hall. And somebody comes along and, and takes the staff member who was pushing the gurney to do something else. 
So the dead body is there. And Violet goes, I have to get rid of the body. <laughs> if there's no body, they can't find the poison. They can't link it to me. <laughs> so Violet, who is very, very, um, what, uh, uh, what is it headed? What kind of headed? Strong-headed? Hard-headed? Strong. Um, no. Headstrong? Because she, she can think clearly in, in a bad situation. Well, was this thinking clearly, though? No. <laughs> but, but it looks like she is. I mean, she's got a solution. So she rolls Very the gurney Very calm out. under pressure. Yes. Yes. She, after several mishaps and mistakes, she puts on a white doctor's coat so that she can be rolling the gurney. She takes it out to the Nova, or whatever the car is, opens the trunk and puts him in there. Then, also, um, she had, like, uh, hidden strengths. She got that mom strength. Yes. When, when, the, when you're, you're a mom and you got to get something done and you just summon all the strength of the earth to lift a, a dead man into a Nova truck. So Dorley and Judy run out and, and she's backing up saying, get in, get in, get in. So the three of them get in the front seat and um, they're going, what's going on? She said, I've taken care of it. It's not a problem. I've taken care of it. They can't do an autopsy if there isn't a body. <laughs> so Dorley and Judy look at each other like, uh, uh, where, where is the body? So now they're all three in a, in a car with a dead body in the back, they're all criminals. <laughs> all of them. So, uh, Dor uh, Violet is driving like like someone who has a dead body in her trunk, and they finally crash into a dumpster. <laughs> well, the fender is now rubbing on the tire, and so they try to pull the fender out because it's rubbing on the tire because they got to get away. And Violet says, "There's a tire iron in the trunk." Well, nobody wants to go in the trunk. But Dorley will do it because you know what? She'll take one for the team. Yeah. So she, she, she's a hunter. She's hunted. She opens the body and she goes, who's that? <laughs> so she looks around and she goes, um, Judy. She, Judy, could you come go, back here? You mind coming please? back here a minute? And Judy goes, who's that? <laughs> go, uh, Violet, come back here a minute. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> so Violet goes, well, I guess I must have made a mistake. And so now they're going, well, what are we going to do now? Well, we'll just take it back. So um, they Judy is like, no, 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 no. And they're saying, Judy, we're all in this together. They're arguing, arguing, arguing. And then the next scene, you see him riding in the car going, well, that's not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea at all. All we need is a wheelchair. Well, there's a siren behind them. And a police officer on a motorcycle comes up. And doesn't Violet want to just make a run for it? <laughs> Violet does. Judy's like, yeah. pull the car over right now. What are you doing? Um, and all this time, Judy has been holding the box of rat poison inside <laughs> her coat. So uh, he comes up. And he's going, hey, you know, you have a blinking taillight. I'm sure it's just short. Let me look in the trunk and I'll fix it for you. No. <laughs> so they're all like, that's not going to work. So Violet goes, uh, um, uh, yeah, I'm a doctor. 
Because I have, see this, this, this coat I got on? I'm a doctor and I have a dying woman on my hands. I got to get her to the hospital. She says, yeah, I'm a doctor. What'd you think? I was a beautician. <laughs> he's wearing the coat and he's like, oh, and she's like, oh, yeah. Um, and it's an emergency. And he's like, well, what's wrong? And he's, she goes, she's sick. And the cop goes, which one? And at the same time, Judy and Dora Lee go, I am. And then they look at each other and they go, she is. And so then Violet has to say, they both are. <laughs> and she's like, what are you hiding? The cop's like, what is that, ma'am? What is that? Is that rat poison? <laughs> and the bully top like goes, Violet goes, yeah, she ate it. That's why we have to go. <laughs> so the police officer goes, no problem. I'll give you an escort. And she goes, we don't have time for that, Jack. And she just peels <laughs> off. She pulls out. Okay. Well, Dora Lee comes out of the hospital. No one's heard anything about Mr. Hart. So they still don't know what's going on with Mr. Hart and the poisoning. But they put a body in the wheelchair and just stick it in the restroom. At which point there are two women of color cleaning the restrooms, of course. Yes. So here we have the our final two POCs of the film, which I believe that gives us a grand total of four for this movie. <laughs> in 1980, thank Scored you. Scored very low. This is a very. I was very disappointed in Jane Fonda. Um. Yes. So they. So they are the custodial engineers cleaning. And she goes in the bathroom and she comes out. What does she say? Uh, she calls the other one's name and goes, we got another stiff in a wheelchair. So apparently white people just be leaving dead bodies <laughs> in wheelchairs and bathrooms is what I gleaned. And I was like, where's the spinoff movie with these two? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, the next morning, Mr. Hart comes walking into the office. And the three of them are shocked. And Shook. he says he, he just left Shook. the hospital with a little bump on his head. So they all decide they're going to have a drink together after lunch <laughs> at Charlie's. We need to, we need to uh, figure out what just happened here. And they're in the women's restroom. Yes. Talking about everything that happened and, and how, how is it all going to come to an end? And apparently it's all good. He he is fine. He just has a bump on his head. He doesn't know anything about the rat poison. This is all good. We're going to move on and live another day. And they leave. And there in one of the stalls is Roz taking notes on toilet paper. Well, she is in the next scene in Mr. Hart's office, and Mr. Hart's reading about stealing corpses, eluding the police. And Dora Lee goes into Mr. Hart's office, and, and he goes, you know what, Dora Lee? You come over to my house tonight. My wife is gone. And um, evidently, the doctors found some strychnine in my body when they did some tests. Um and Dorley's going, it was a mistake. It was a mistake. And Mr. Hart's going, do you want to take a chance on that? Come on over to my house or I call the police. Oh, blackmail. And Dorley snaps. She goes, I will pull the cord out of the wall. 
back there when there were cords that you had to have to use a phone. And she does. Mm -hmm. And she ties him up with that cord. Just like she and she ties because he's all laughing like, oh, what are you going to do? You're not going to do anything. She takes the cord. And now Dora Lee is from the country. She mm -hmm. knows how to tie up a hog. Hogtied him. And before he knows what to do, she done hogtied him. She done. And that, yeah. So she comes out of the office to go get Judy and Violet to go, uh, we have a new problem. <laughs> and Roz is there. And Roz wants to see him. And Doralee says, well, I'm sorry, he's all tied up at the moment. <laughs> oh, Lee. So she goes, Judy, come over here. Come over here. <laughs> Judy, Judy, come over here now. Heart knows everything. Go in there. Lock the door. Don't let anybody in. I got to go find Violet. Well, that, that was wrong. Because Judy, he's going, Judy, I'm tied up. It's too tight. I hurt. She goes, maybe I can loosen it just yeah. a little. Judy is well, not the person that should be guarding the prisoner. No. I mean, the, who didn't see that coming? Yeah. He gets loose. But she pulls Dora Lee's gun on him. So now it's like, it's just like from her dream. Uh-huh. Well, uh, he starts to go out. She shoots. He had a glass panel, of course, next to his office door. She shoots and she hits the door. And now somehow they're getting him to his house. They decide Violet's involved now. They've got him in the trunk. And they're taking him to his house. I don't know how they got him from the office. Because they had a gun. Yeah, but they're, everybody left the office for the day? Yeah. And they were in the elevator, and luckily nobody else stopped the elevator on the way down? Yeah, because they said, um, if you tell anybody, we're going to put a bullet through your body. So well, he's like, saying, I'll see the, the three of you in prison. You're going to spend 20 years in prison. You poisoned me, you roped me, and you shot me. Mm. I believe, Mal, this is a Friday. So Friday oh, at 5.01, the place oh, is empty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So they decide, they know that he's been talking about this Ajax account, and nobody can handle the Ajax account but him. So Violet is smart. She realizes they can blackmail him. They're going to find something to blackmail him on. He's dirty. Mm -hmm. They know it. And and then somebody, uh, I think Judy says, what about a sex scandal? And they're like, ain't nobody going to care about a sex scandal? Yeah, nobody scandal? cares about that. Exactly. Oh, so. but then Dora Lee says, why don't we hire... What does she call them? Like roughnecks or something? She says something. Why don't we get to beat the shit out of them? <laughs> oh, that made me laugh. The way she said it. <laughs> Why don't we just hire some people to beat the shit out of them? I was like, man, Dora Lee is country. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, the next morning, they're at his house. And Violet is going through his stuff. And she finds an account book for the Ajax warehouse. So the three of them go to the Ajax warehouse and it's completely empty. And they realize he's been embezzling the company with talks about this Ajax account, which isn't real. Because mm -hmm. that, that warehouse is supposed to be full of, of 
merchandise or stuff, right. supplies. Right. And they have him tied up in his house, and he says he's not going to be stopped by three dumb-witted broads. Oh, yes, you will. Underestimating. Well, they go shopping to find a way to keep him confined. Yes, they need something that is comfortable, and he can move around, but yet keep him confined. So, you have to remember back, Violet knows how to install a garage door opener. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe Dora Lee is looking at chains. Mm-hmm. Somebody's looking at this bodysuit thing. I thought that was Violet. And so, um, they have him attached to a pulley system in his bedroom. He can get to the bathroom. He can get to his bed. They're going to bring meals into him. But if he messes up, they use the remote control of the garage door opener, and he is pulled up to the ceiling. Yeah, because he's in one of the, the hang gliding things. The, but so, it doesn't cover your feet. It's just like the torso hang gliding, and he has like a, a dog collar, a butch dog collar on his <laughs> neck. With spikes. Yeah, he's got dog collars on each wrist and each ankle. Right, right. And so he can be comfortable, but but he's not getting away. Mm-hmm. So he goes something about, how'd you all get all this stuff? And Dora Lee says, I just ch- used your master charge. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Then the three of them are in the office and they're all covering for him to be gone for a week because they need to get uh, affidavits, invoices to show that there's nothing in the Ajax warehouse so that they can then blackmail him so that he doesn't press charges against them and they can live happily ever after. Right. Okay, so Dora Lee's bringing him lunch. He broke the tray stand so that he had a a big old piece of wood to hit her with. Mm -hmm. But she sees him in the mirror and she activates the pulley. That's the first time we see him ending up on the ceiling. Mm -hmm. Well, Violet comes back with the bad news. It's going to take four to six weeks for the invoices of the Ajax warehouse to come back. Yeah, because they're they're finally computerizing everything. So they, they can do that because the wife is out of town for two months and they can keep up, you know, uh, Judy stays overnight there. Uh, Violet comes in and does something. Uh, Dora Lee brings him lunch every day. So they can keep this, this going, but they have a big calendar out so that they can make sure they're going to get everything done before his wife comes back. But there's a big problem that they have. The big problem is Roz, because she's uh, been asking to see him ever since Friday, and she's real persistent. So they say, well, what are we going to do? Well, we could send her on vacation. They're like, yeah, but that's only two weeks. Like, we need her out of here. She's the only one that will, like, ruin this whole thing. Right. We need her gone for four to six weeks. So Judy comes up with this idea. What is the program, Ma? An extended foreign language institute. Yes. Because they're going to tell Roz that they are expanding to Europe. So Roz has to go learn French 
well enough to be the liaison between the French people and the and the company. And she buys it. Because all they do is they just print up a memo, they just type it up, and then Dor- Dora Lee signs his name, Hart's name, he presents it to her, she just, boom, right on the, the trip, right on the train, right on the plane. Because Dora Lee's gotten really good at signing his signature. Yeah. Well, there's this one Weasley-looking guy who's paying attention to a lot. Mm-hmm. You don't see him a lot, but every once in a while it cuts to him just like, oh. And he's a that guy. Mm-hmm. Because you've seen him in other stuff. Well, since Dora Lee's so good at signing his name, they decide to make some changes around the the office. Mm-hmm. So they've the first change is you may keep flowers, coffee mugs, and pictures on your desks. And that uh, that lifts everybody's mood. And they go, wow, if that does it, well, we can start a job sharing program so that girl who got fired can come back and we can change the salary scale thing going on. We're going to repaint the locker room. We're going to just do all kinds of stuff that's going to make this a much better place to work, which is going to improve productivity because Violet should have been running the office all along and she's instituting all of her ideas. Mm-hmm. Well, Hart is in his in his confinement. Now, Dora Lee has removed anything sharp, scissors, razor blades, anything she could find that he might be able to use to try to get out of his restrictedness. But there was one nail file that eluded her. Mm. So he is working, and I'm thinking... He is not going to try to file through those chains with a little nail file. But he's not. He's working on the leather around his wrist. Yep. Well, while he's doing that, there is a dude parked outside his house late at night. I thought it was the creepy paying attention dude. Oh. Somebody was watching Judy through the windows as she's making herself a cup of tea and and she's going to read a book. Well, Mm -hmm. it wasn't. It was... Dick. Dick. And Dick comes to the door. And she says she's just... She's house-sitting for a friend. And, uh, well, he is now all sad because Liza left him after a week and he wants to come sniveling back to Judy. But while this is going on... Hart is able to get one of his wrist cuffs off. And then he knocks a lamp over. It makes a lot of noise. And so Judy has to run upstairs to try to take care of the situation. Well, of course, Dick follows her. And here is this guy who looks like he's in a bondage situation. Yeah, it looks it looks very, very strange. He's hanging from the ceiling. Because Judy activated the garage door opener. And um, she had gotten up there early and stuffed a a scarf in his mouth to stop the noise. And then Dick comes in and sees this guy bondaged up. And he goes, oh, oh, you're having an affair with your boss. And um, that's just not like you. And she says, as a matter of fact, I've changed. And 
she tells him, you're leaving us was the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. And, and he go, he leaves, he goes, I was going to ask you to get back together. And she's like, you know what? I'm having none of that. I have grown into a person who can take care of myself. Well, sort of other than my boss hanging from the ceiling, but other than that, mm-hmm. I'm doing really good. Well, the next morning the invoices arrive. Oh, the invoices are supposed to come in first thing Friday morning. But a taxi arrives at the house, at Hart's house. Yes. His wife is home early. Dun, dun, dun. And the driver brings the bags inside. She walks in on Hart, who is attached to the pulley. That's all we know. We don't know anything else. Mm-hmm. So we're going, oh, this is all going to shit. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> Missy is the wife. She calls Dora Lee to thank her for the for the flowers because she said, "You know what? They said his name on him, but I know it was you who sent him to him to me. Thank you so much." And Missy is in what looks like a hotel room. Yeah, she's in a, a high rise building uh, on the balcony, and she's in a really good mood. Mm-hmm. She's thanking Dora Lee for these nice flowers. She said, you know, I, I went home and and Mr. Hart is now, he's got this new exercise program going on <laughs> that's really weird. And so he just suggested I spend a couple more days at a spa. And so I am in a good mood. So, so Violet says, oh my gosh, she's been back for three days so he's been free for three days, and we haven't heard a thing from him. He is messing us up. Yeah, and because and Violet, or no, Dora Lee says, but that's impossible because I just gave him lunch, and he's still there. And Violet's like, no, he's playing us. Mm-hmm. At which point Violet goes to the Ajax warehouse and it is full of activity. It's full of stock. It's full of people. Mm-hmm. So you can't say I'm embezzling because here's this warehouse full of stuff. Violet's like, damn it. All of the missing equipment is back in the warehouse. And and Hart says to Violet, I'm ready to play my last card. I'm sending you three bitches to jail. Well, because they go back, they go to see because uh, Judy's there. And then when they go to get her, and they're like, oh, but it's okay because Judy has the gun. And when they show up at the house, they're like, Judy, Judy. And they see Judy. And Judy's standing there with heart behind her with the gun. Right. And, and Dorley's like, oh, the gun. And Judy's like, he found it. He found your gun. Well, next scene is at the office. The chairman of the board, Russell Russell Tinsworthy. Now, he's the head of the head of the head of the entire company. I think he, like, owns it. He looks like uh, Colonel Sanders. Yes. And he has come here to meet with Mr. Hart because... He wants to shake his hand because there has been a 20% rise in productivity in just six weeks time at this office. Wow. 
and he wanted to meet the man who made that happen. But it wasn't a man who made that happen. He says, this is a splendid environment. And he says, tell me about this job sharing. Well, Mr. Hart can't say anything about it because he doesn't know anything about it. Well, yeah, so he says, uh, he, Violet. When he arrives, he says, what the hell has happened here? What is this place? There's plants everywhere. It's like painted orange. There are couches. Couches. Job sharing. There's even a daycare center. A daycare center. So, um, Hart says, uh, I want you to meet Violet Newstead. She's my right-hand man. <laughs> and Violet, take him on a tour. So, the whole head of the entire company is saying, this is this is great. They even have an alcoholics rehab center. Yeah, because Margaret comes up to him and hugs hugs Hart and says, oh, Hart, thank you so much. And Hart's like, who the hell are you? And she says, it's me, Violet. And he goes, the lush? And her hair is all done up, shampooed and set. And she says, yes, because of your company-sponsored alcohol program, I've got my life back together. Everything's going great. And so uh, Tinsworthy is getting on the elevator with Henkel, and they say, Hart, come on on here with us, because... We are expanding. We're expanding to Brazil. And I need someone like you who can make this happen for us in Brazil. Wow. Oh, Hart doesn't want to go to Brazil. Brazil, you say. Brazil. But the 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 big boss says, it'll just be two or three years. But once you're there two or three years, you'll never want to come back. And Hart begrudgingly gets on the elevator and it's like, Oh, my God. And the head guy goes, I'm not the kind of boy who takes no for an answer. Ooh. So so they move on up. And the three women are left with the bottle of champagne that Mr. Tinsworthy brought to Mr. Hart. And they are toasting each other. And then the the end of the movie shows uh, what happens to all of the people. Mm Mm-hmm. So Violet becomes the vice president of the company because of her ability to think uh, in high-pressure situations. Yep, stay calm. And Judy marries the Xerox repair person. Mm-hmm. And Dora Lee becomes a singer-songwriter for the country-western scene. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Hart is abducted by a tribe in Brazil and never seen again. Yes. The end. The end. Working nine to five. five. At a girl. Yeah. It was fun. It was a fun movie. I'd forgotten so much of it. I did too. I forgotten the whole thing about the Maui Wowie. Yeah. Which I looked up and it is real. Oh, is there really a Maui Wowie? It's a real strain. Wow. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I just have that it was Dolly's film debut um, and that there is a sequel. But what did you find out? You said you have lots of oh, info. I got lots of I got lots of trivia. Sit back and relax. Take a load off. Did you get this on Blackopedia? 
No, the regular nine to five is not on Blackopedia. I know, but you have access to Blackopedia, and I don't. So yeah, but I'm not looking up nine to five. Okay. <laughs> I wonder what Blackopedia would say about nine to five. I would say it's a comedy about two janitorial engineers who discover <laughs> who don't have enough screen time. Yeah. Okay, so the director, Colin Higgins, was openly gay, and he died of age-related complications in 1988. Oh, that's too bad. Because there has been a series of talks about sequels, because this film was very successful. And at one point, there was going to be a sequel, but then that was put on hold when he died. And then there have always been talks about it, but nobody really liked the idea of a script, and then... Now, with the whole, in the wake of the Me Too movement, I think that people were finally like, oh, I think we can do this. And also, people, I haven't watched a lot of it. I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to start watching it again. The Grace and Frankie, or Frankie and Grace Oh, on yeah. Netflix. I got off of it a little bit, too. Yeah, because, like, Lily Tomlin and Jane Allen, Jane Allen, <laughs> Jane Fonda are in that. And so now there is talk of a sequel that's hopefully going to happen. And I, for one, am all in. When I was watching this, I said, yes, there should. I want to see a sequel. Um, Dolly Parton was nominated. She's been in her career. She doesn't have the EGOT, but she has been nominated for Academy Awards, Grammy Awards, Tony Awards, and Emmy Awards. Wow. I mean, that's pretty impressive. That is indeed. Nine to five, the film is number seventy-eight on AFI's one or sorry, the song is um number seventy-eight on one hundred years one hundred songs. Here's an editorial. That's bullshit. Only number seventy-eight? <laughs> That's bullshit. Um, it spent two weeks at number one on the billboard charts. It lost it was nominated for an Academy Award and it lost. And I had to look up what it lost to. Because I, I said I said, if I've never heard of this song that it lost to, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a flamethrower to this place. <laughs> but it it lost to fame. I'm gonna live forever. Uh, okay. Hmm. I still call bullshit on that. I'm not at, I'm not going to take a flamethrower because I'm like, all right, fame, I'm going to live forever. All right, I get it. But if we're talking stands the test of time, what song would you rather listen That's to true. right now? Nine to five or fame? It's nine to five. Nine to five is a better song than fame is. I said well, it. Well, nine to five speaks to you. It does in your office environment one day the ship's gonna come in you got dreams you'll never let them go or let them fade you just to step on the court i'm telling you people listen to the song <laughs> all right um dolly Parton. she was she memorized every part in the film in everybody else's parts yeah. too yeah she thought that films were shot in chronological order, much to the delight of Lily and Jane. 
Um, they cast her, like Jane Fonda cast her because she uh, thought that she would bring in the West. And I'm like, more like the South, but I get what she was saying. Yeah. The show also had a, a TV show spinoff. I don't remember that. was that. on ABC and in syndication, and it ran for five seasons and had 85 episodes. What, what, uh, what were the years of it? Um, I didn't write it down, but it was like in 83, it was on ABC, and then it ran in syndication until 19. Like, it was one of those shows like Small Wonder that was just made for syndication. And oh, okay. It lasted until like 1988. And Rita, I'm surprised I didn't watch it. Rita Moreno was in it. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I think Dolly Parton's real life little sister was in it. I did read that. It's number 74 on AFI's 100 Funniest Movies. It's pretty funny. It was Jane Fonda's idea. She got the idea from an old friend who had in Boston, I think it was called 9 to 5, and it was an association for women office workers. And Mm. she would listen to their stories, and she thought they were great. The movie takes place in L.A., but the opening shots were shot in downtown San Francisco. Oh, okay. And let's see what else I found. Um, I did hear that Dolly Parton agreed to be in it only if she could write the song for it and sing the song for it. Yes. And that worked out well for everybody. It did work out very well for everyone. Um, Lily Tomlin originally turned down the role of Violet because she was working on The Incredible Shrinking Woman. She eventually relented and got the movie's producer to temporarily postpone acting activities so she could act in this film. Was The Incredible Shrinking Woman her one-woman show on Broadway? I think so. Okay. Gregory Peck and Charlton Heston turned down the role of, of chairman of the board, Russell Tinsworthy. And that was probably a one-day, really quick shoot. Yeah. The license plate frame on the rear of Violet Newstead's car reads, Secretaries do it 9 to 5. I don't remember. I, I remember looking and seeing it was a California plate. Yeah. That was all. Um, there Pretty sure it was a Chevy Nova, you. but it might have been a Plymouth Big Ass. Because it was a big-ass car. Yes. It was the second most popular movie in 19... In the United States and Canada in 1980. What was the first most? I don't know. Research, people. Why aren't our researchers on this? The office building exteriors were filmed at the Pacific Financial Center on West 6th Street. West 6th Street in Los Angeles, California. There's a musical based on it. It opened in Broadway, April 30th, 2009. Um, Oh, this one is weird, and I don't know if I believe it. When Violet, Judy, and Doralee conspire to send Roz to the Aspen Language Center in Colorado to learn French, a TWA 747 is shown taking off. That plane, TWA Flight 100, exploded over the Atlantic Ocean on July 17, 1996, just south of Long Island, shortly after taking off from JFK Airport, killing all passengers and crew aboard. 
So they're saying the shot of the plane taking off is the exact plane that actually crashed. I don't know if it's the exact plane or are they saying that, oh, that that would be flight 800 that she was that's, on. That's what I didn't understand. I read that, but I didn't understand I didn't it. understand it either because, first of all, she's leaving from Los Angeles, so... It could be a direct flight. Are you saying that? It, I don't like I don't understand that. Right. And then I was yeah. also like, oh, yeah, I remember when that happened. What happened with that? I, I know Nelson DeMille wrote a book about it. Really? A real one? A true was crime? It, no, it was a it was a, a fiction. But was it Plum Island? I think it was Plum Island. Oh. I love Nelson DeMille books, by the way. We'll take any um, advertisers who also enjoy Nelson DeMille. Okay, good luck with that. I know. Um, the movie is said to have been inspired by Preston Sturges' classic screwball comedy, Unfaithfully Yours, 1948, remade a few years after this movie as Unfaithfully Yours, 1984. I thought you would understand that because you knew Preston Sturges' stuff. I did, but I don't think I've ever seen Unfaithfully Yours. Okay. So... Yeah. All right. I think that's I think that's it. That's nine to five. It is fun to see the fashions and um you know, like the colors when they repainted it was the the um the earth tones were still hanging around but starting to Yeah. yeah. The orange and brown and and it was just Avocado nice to, green. It was just nice to see a movie with the three women in it. And it was fun. It was. And it was a big success. And then they, they make these movies and they're like, oh, they're a big success. And then they're like, don't make any more. And every time then every time they do and they make them well, they're big successes. But then they're like, No, we don't make the women don't go to movies. Yeah, or they, girls they, trip. Hello. Yeah, they can't make movies that sell and stuff. And I'm like, well, I'm no historian, but I know that, like, Jane Fonda has had a tumultuous past with the public. Yeah, like, some exactly. people, some people still to this day hate her. And will not support anything, anything that she's a part of. Ever that and she's they have, done. they have a reason for that. And, that, and um, she's apologized, but some people won't accept that apology. Yeah. I mean, like, you go back and you look at it. Yeah. You look at the two it's, different it's, sides it's, and it's you're still like, that was a bad move, Jane. Yeah. Whew, that was a really bad move. But yeah. you kind of, then when you understand, like, from her point of view, you're still like, that was a really bad move. But I do understand where you're where you're coming from and what you're trying to do and she was pretty young at the time she was she made a mistake but i feel like what she has done since she has tried to make up for that um but i do not i i i can look past it but i was never in vietnam fighting and so if i had been in vietnam fighting and risking my life and she's sitting on an enemy's tank taking pictures I yeah. probably would not be able to get over that. That yeah. So, and yet the movie did outstanding. Right, even with that. Even and in 1980, with that. there were because a lot of of people who who have that issue are are moving on to another life. <laughs> so yeah, at that point, a lot of people would still be boycotting her in any way. Mm-hmm. 
So she had that was an interesting. Did you listen to the? You must remember this about her. Who is it also about? It was about Jane Fonda and somebody else. It was a whole season. Well, there was Jane Fonda and her mother. No, but this, there was a whole. It was a whole season of You Must Remember This, and it was about Jane Fonda and and some other actress, and they would go back and forth between them because they had like I guess some yeah. similarities. Yeah, comparing similarities t- with their lives, I guess. Yeah, because she had an she had an issue with her dad too. Oh, yeah. Well, her dad was something else. Oh, Jean. It was Jane and Jean. Yeah, Jean who? Jean Seberg, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. See, and I didn't know who that was, so that didn't really hold my interest that much. Well, it didn't mind because I knew the ending, and I I said, oh, Jean. Yeah. Yeah, Jean Seberg. Okay. Yeah, that was that was, that's that was definitely a very interesting season. Jane Fonda's had a very interesting life. She has tumultuous. She was how old when this was made? Forty something. I mean, she had already won two. She was forty three. Forty three plus thirty eight. She's eighty one. Yeah, she well, she hasn't turned eighty one yet. She turns eighty one wow. in December. But yeah, she's eighty. She's looking pretty darn good. Well, she was obsessed with her health and fitness. Well, first, she was obsessed with being thin, and she yeah. was bulimic. Yes, yeah, she and has anorexic. Lots then of she cocaine. I into- think. Exercising. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jane Fonda workout videos. Yeah. Then she married Ted Turner, which would take my pounds off anybody. Yes. So she's so. always she's always been working out and being like fit and stuff. Yeah. Um, well, after the Bolivian anorexia. Yeah. Okay, Erin. All right. Yeah. I want you to know I had lunch with our two most ardent listeners. Yes, and? And so I have ideas for the next film the next week. Well, that's good because I know what I'm doing this week. Okay. This coming week will be? And I can tell you that your ardent supporters are not going to know I bet they don't know anything about this film. I don't know anything about this Which means film. means I probably don't either. None of us know anything about this film. It is on iTunes because I checked. Okay. But when I was watching it, the first thing that I said when Dolly Parton came on to screen, I said, oh, huh. Look at Dolly Parton. She was blonde, bottle blonde. And most people would think, what? Marilyn Monroe. Yes. Most people thought Marilyn Monroe. Or Jean Harlow. What, Ma? Jean Harlow. What? So it's a Jean Harlow? Get out of my head. Next week, we are doing 1933, Jean Harlow in Dinner at Eight. Oh. The original blonde bombshell. 
Yeah. She paid a price for that blonde hair, from what I recall from You Must Remember This. Well, there, there's some, um, like, that's hearsay. It could be, it probably is true. There's, it probably had a lot to do with it. Also, just how much alcohol was consumed by everyone in Hollywood. Didn't she die really young? Yes. I believe at like 26. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. This isn't the one that has... See, I don't even know if it was Jean Harlow. Who gets the grapefruit in the face? Oh, I don't know. I know that Jean Harlow was in Hell's Angels, the... What's it called? Howard Hughes's epic. And that... She became like the it girl, blonde bombshell. She is the one that originated. They came up with that to describe her and that Marilyn Monroe's mother or aunt or somebody and Marilyn Monroe were obsessed with Jean Harlow, completely obsessed with her. I hear you typing into your phone. <laughs> I am. It was Kitty is eventually dropped off by Tom for Gwen after he pushes half a grapefruit into her face. Joan Blondell played Mamie. Oh, okay. Okay, so it is not, it was called The Public Enemy. She doesn't Ah. get the grapefruit in her face. No. So I looked up, it said, I was like, all right, I guess Dinner at Eight's one of her better known films. So I thought that would be fun. It will be fun. And I like how. We're going back and forth and doing some old, old, old stuff, which we really want to do, and some newer stuff as well, like newer 1980 um, as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, sounds perfect. Excellent. Dinner at 8, Jean Harlow. I'm pretty sure it's going to be black and white. Well, yeah. It, I mean, color was kind of invented in 39, right? And I'm pretty sure there will be a very low POC count. If any at all. If I'm going any. for one. I'm going for go- one in a domestic one. employment situation. I did read this the like two pa- two sentence synopsis. So I do know it, it takes pl- it's rich people involved. So There you go. Yeah. You have one. But how rich were they? Were they rich where they had black people or were they so rich where they had like Irish people? True. <laughs> right. True. Yeah, uh, I'm. When was the uh, when was the stock market crash? Nineteen twenty nine. Okay, so this is after that. So they can't be too rich. <laughs> well, I mean, they're richer than everyone else is. Nineteen thirty three. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. We will see. Jean Harlow, blonde bombshell. All right, Jean Harlow. Let me see what you got. Let's see what you got. We're going to compare you with Marilyn. Mm-hmm. And Dolly. And Dolly. Dang it. Dang nabbit. Okay, listeners. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.